Truly, it is your amazing grace. That is why we are here. Lord, we lean everything that we are on you. All of our worries, our cares, our burdens, because you can handle them. I thank you for your people today. I don't know where they are, but you do. May we lean into the truth of the gospel, that you are here, and you are the hope that we need. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Good morning, new community. It is my pleasure to stand before you. My name is Timothy White, and while I'm not new, I always like to introduce myself. It's an honor to be here. Also, I do want to give honor to our pastor, Pastor Peter, who's not here, uh, but he is the shepherd of this house. So, amen. And uh, wherever he is, we pray that God will strengthen him. I've only got a few brief moments with you today, and I need to be sure to honor the time that I've been given. So if it seems like I move quickly today, that's why. I want to draw your attention to a particular story, a passage in John chapter 11, which we are all familiar with, or should be at least, but if you're not, the story of Lazarus. It's a very famous story. We know of Lazarus who dies and we have the whole tale unfolding in our minds of how it ends up and what Jesus does. But I want to focus on a particular moment in this passage because I think this particular moment might speak to exactly where some of us are. We've just come 15 months dealing with this pandemic and it's still with us, it's still present. And in the midst of that, I'm sure there are moments you and I can point to that we get fixated on of pain, of hurt, of confusion, suffering, maybe even looking at physical death. And it leaves us in a place of not knowing what to do, where to go next, what do I believe anymore? And I want to point out someone in this passage who is in fact in that place. So John chapter 11, I'll be reading from verses 17 through 27. If you don't have your Bibles or your phones, it will be up here on the screen. Quick backdrop, Mary and Martha, these two sisters, their brother is sick. They send to Jesus, Jesus, you've got to come. He's dying. He's sick. Jesus doesn't show up. Lazarus dies. And here we come where Jesus is now coming. Lazarus has been dead for four days. He's been in the tomb for four days, and Jesus shows up. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, 
even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. The world. So I want to make a few observations in the time that I do have with you. See, when we read scripture, we don't get the sense of tone. We don't get the feeling of what's happening. So we kind of have to use our imaginations. So Martha is in a state of grief. There are so many things going through her mind, grieving the loss of her brother for one who's dear to her. So she's in pain, there's confusion. She's also dealing with frustration with Jesus because Jesus, you weren't here. We sent to you days ago when my brother was still alive. He was sick. We told you about the situation, but you still didn't come. So I need you to imagine her with her face full of tears, sobbing, can't really even get words out as she comes to Jesus. Maybe she's holding Jesus, beating on his chest. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And maybe some of you come here today, this morning, or through these past 15 months of the pandemic, you found yourself in the same space as Martha. God didn't show up when I thought he would. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to look, where to turn. I'm at a loss for words. Where are you, God? And I love Jesus' answer, but before I get there, I just want to stay in this particular moment because it's a real raw moment. You see, one thing we always talk about is how God has come into real human pain. So I want to sit here with the real pain. I'm talking about the pain of staring at death, looking at your loved one's lifeless body. I'm talking about hearing the doctor's message that it's come back again. I'm talking about situations where you're standing in the unemployment line, not knowing what to do next. These are the real moments that we experience, and we've got to be real about them. But there's still a little bit of hope, even in Martha, in, in something that she says. She comes to Jesus She's angry, she's hurt, she's upset. But then she says, let me get to the right verse. In verse 22, I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. But there's something I need that needs to be noticed, uh, I need to make a note of here. She just needs Jesus to take this pain away. I need you to just fix it. You find yourself in this dark place, and Jesus, I just need you to fix it. I need you to make the pain go away, bring healing right now. I just need you to do something. Even now, Jesus, God will give you what you ask. I just need you to do something right now. Maybe you're still right there. And just a little bit more of a background, because Martha has no clue what Jesus is going to do. See, earlier in the passage, Jesus tells his disciples what he's going to do, what he intends to do, that this is going to be for the glory of God. So Jesus has a purpose behind this, but Martha doesn't know that. And so, just like many of us, as we're going in the thick of it, I don't know what God's going to do. 
I don't know where God is. I really don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Here's right where Martha is. And Jesus, I need you to just fix it. And then Jesus responds, your brother will rise again. And then Martha gives this kind of an eschatological, that's a theological term dealing with end times, end things, the last things. She, she goes to that understanding that she has, I know. Now imagine she's in tears, she's hurting, and it's just, I got it, yes. He will rise again in the, resurrect the resurrection at the last day. In other words, there's a future hope that's out there. I know it's coming. That's when. And Jesus breaks in. I am the resurrection and the life. Now, once again, we've got to deal with tone because we don't know what's happening. A little bit more history throughout Jesus' ministry. As he's teaching, as he's leading his disciples, as he's healing, every miracle he does serves as a pointer. He's telling you, do you believe that I am the one who was sent? See, it's bigger than just doing some miracles to make you feel good. Jesus is after something deeper. Faith, do you trust that I am who I say I am? And I can imagine Jesus in this moment, maybe he's soft, but I'm thinking maybe he gets bolder, maybe he raises his voice, Maybe even in mid-speech, he cuts her off and says, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, that hope that you're pointing to in the last days is standing right in front of you. That hope that we're waiting for has, in fact, broken into human history. And you're looking at them. So, Martha, I know that you're hurting, I know that you're in pain, and I know you're looking for a miracle, but that's not the main thing you need right now. I need something deeper from you. Do you believe that I am who I say I am? He even says that to his disciples before they come. This is done so that you might believe. Jesus is after something deeper. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though, he, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So in the same manner Jesus comes to you and I when you're standing in the unemployment line, when you're standing in the hospital, when you're standing in the funeral home, he comes to you and I knowing that we're hurting, we're frustrated, we're confused, and saying, I know you want a miracle, I know you want to know what this looks like in the end, but I need you to get fixated on another moment. I need you to get fixated on another truth right now. I know you want me to relieve your pain, but there's something deeper I've got to get at. Do you believe that I am that I say, who I say I am? Can you, when you're staring at the lifeless body of your loved one, say, you are faithful? <laughs> you are the resurrection. You are the life. I told myself I wasn't going to go here, but you are the resurrection and the life. 
the unemployment line, can you stand there and say, you are my source. Jesus, you are my hope. I don't know where my next check is coming from right now, but I know who you are. I know you can do something amazing here, but I'm not seeking the miracle right now. I'm seeking you right now. Lord, we're in the midst of conflict. We don't know what the next step looks like. But Jesus, we've just got to hold to you right now. I've got to hold on to you, Jesus. It's uncertain. He calls her to deeper faith. He calls her beyond a shallow faith. That's just Jesus, come and fix it right now. Jesus, I need you to do something for me. I need you to fix what I need right now. Jesus, fix my agenda. I need you to do what I need you to do right now. I need you to know that I'm bigger than just what you're feeling right now. Back to faith. He calls her deeper into faith. And I love her beautiful response. Remind, I want to remind you, in the midst of her pain, in the midst of her tears, and without knowing what Jesus is going to do. See, we, we, we're looking at hindsight. We see the whole story. She doesn't have that picture. And we find ourselves in the same situation. I don't have the full picture right now. I don't know what restoration looks like. We're in conflict. I don't know what restoration looks like right now. But I know you're here in the midst of it. And you're just calling me to be fixated on you. She responds, verse 27, still hurting, still in pain, still confused. Yes, Lord. I believe. I believe that you are the Messiah. You are the Christ, the Son of God who is to come into the world. The message to you and I today is to take that same hope. Jesus, you are the one who was promised. Whatever pain you've dealt with, even injustice that we see, I need to take a moment to affirm who you are. Yes, in this situation, I don't know what justice looks like. But here's what I do know. You are the just king. You are the one true. You are the true ruler. You are the one before whom all kings of the earth will bow. And it is from that foundation that we engage our world. As a church... This is what's going to be the difference between us being a church and a social club, okay? This is the difference between if we're just showing up, listening to sermons, having community, and then maybe having some muffins and then going home. Or are we a people that come in here every Sunday, every life group we go to, and we say, do you believe this? Do you believe that this is true? I don't know what kind of week you've had, brother or sister, but do you still believe 
that God has in fact entered into human history. Do you believe it? Is that us, new community? Let's ask ourselves that. Ask yourself, why are you really here? Do you believe that Jesus is the only hope or is he just in addition to the other tools that we have? He's just one of many things we look to. And that's what Jesus is getting them to see here. Is he to, he's not just a good teacher. He's not just a miracle worker. He is the Christ who was promised to come. And is that our message to the watching world? That there is a hope. And we've got that hope. Jesus is exclusive. He's not one of many options. He is the option. At least that's what we preach. I don't know what you're coming from. I don't know where you are right now, but that's what we've got to preach. That's what new community has to be about. I need to close. But this message has been so heavy on my heart, and I'm crying. It, it is what it is, you know. Just, hey, hey, I'm thankful. But my hope is for us, new community, to let this truth grip us every day. And there are moments we need to be reminded. But that's why we are a community. Because there are some days I'm just not there, but I need Carlton, I need James, I need somebody. Tim, come on, you still believe. I know, I know you're hurting right now. I know you don't know what's next, but do you still believe? Do you still believe? that he is all that he says he is. Yes, he's been showing you this all along. Every person he's healed when he tells the winds and the waves to shut up and they obey him. Yeah, I'm not somebody you can control. I'm not somebody you can pull in your toolkit. I am the Lord of heaven that has come for such a time as this. Do you believe that today, new community? We're getting ready for communion prepare our hearts to remember just that, that God has in fact broken into human history, that this is real. And it is my prayer for us that this truth, that this truth will grip us every day of our lives. Lord, I thank you so much for your people today. I thank you for your word to us that you come to us not only in seasons of joy, but seasons of pain, when the pain is real and raw and we don't understand where you are, we don't get what you are about to do. But you called us to hang on to you when we don't see the full picture. And Lord, I believe that when we do that, that we affirm as a community that you are in fact who you say you are that we can sit back and watch you work and that you will move through us, that you will guide our actions as a community because we are driven by the fact that you are the only hope for this world. I thank you, Lord, let this truth burn in us today. In Jesus' name, amen.